Welcome to Done Deal. Today is episode one with Mr. Warner, Warner's Corner. And today we are joined by my science teacher for over three years now, which sounds pretty crazy to say, and my current AP environmental science teacher. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, <clears throat> my name is Ted Werner. Uh, I teach at Jackson Liberty High School. I've been teaching since it opened back in 2006, and you know, I currently teach physics and environmental science. Awesome. So basically, uh, for, just for the first episode of my podcast, we want to be talking about uh, just kind of like self-care and just like getting over things, uh, you know, during tough times. Nothing in life comes easy. And the paths we take to get to where we are today, you know, all of different roadblocks and things that slow us down. So we all have traumatic experiences that change your path and make you look around your life. So uh, I know in school, we've talked about a few of the things that you've gone through in your life. So just wherever you want to I mean, start really, I guess, just honestly, it's just to talk about like the last year and just to help people cope with just getting over tough times because the last year was really hard for a lot of people. No doubt. Yeah, it's been it's been stressful for everybody. Um, I think I think the the hardest thing to do is to is to appreciate the little things and don't sweat the big things. I think that's that's overlooked always is that people always, try to, you know, need perfection in everything and mm -hmm. just be happy that you know you're awake you're alive you got food food or food and a roof over your head and that you know that's underappreciated by so many in our society 100 percent um so i know we talked about in school that uh if you just want to tell the story about like um i think it was your son and like the school nurse and like what happened and just like how like everything that was going through your head like during that because like even though like the story is kind of like insane like insane to the point where like it's almost funny that it happened if you know what i mean like it's not yep. funny but like it's it doesn't like... seem possible yeah yeah so, just... yeah so uh God, my younger son has some health issues he was born with some some food allergies um which i discovered when i almost killed him when he was about four i was baking some some walnut chocolate chip cookies and we discovered that night that he was allergic to tree nuts brought him to the hospital epinephrine all sorts of drugs got him home he was all good Fast forward like five years, he's now in, I don't know, I think third grade. And he's, you know, in school. And it's the traditional elementary school where they fill the the little wagon with all the lunch bags, bring them down to the cafeteria. The line leader hands out the lunch bags. Everybody sits and eats. My son opens his lunch bag that day and he's super excited because he got a treat. My wife my wife woke up early and made him a good breakfast that day. He had a, he had a Gatorade in his bag and some Doritos in his bag, which were a little bit better than the, the standard fare we usually handed out. And he also had this crazy new sandwich that had chocolate on it that looked super delicious. So he took a big bite, and his face felt like he, uh, he was being attacked by bees because it was someone else's lunch bag. <laughs> he ate some Nutella. But because his lunch bag matched someone else's, he had no idea. So he went and found the, the little lunch aide, the woman who was working that day. Um, she ran him down to the nurse's office because he was already getting swollen and, and struggling a little bit at this point. Sits down in the nurse's office. Nurse gets out his, his information. Sees he's got an EpiPen for allergies. Goes into her little cabinet, come over and stabs him in the leg and calls my wife. My wife shows up about 10 minutes later and my son is still sitting there. His face is completely swollen. He's gasping for breath. My wife asked if 911 had been called, if they were on their way. Oh, we just called you, the nurse says. We, we weren't sure what you wanted to do. My wife was not happy with that response, made the nurse call 911. 
and then she asked him, so. you know, she, she then asked what uh what she had done if she gave him his Benadryl, if she gave him his epinephrine shot. She she had forgotten to give the Benadryl, and she couldn't figure out why the epinephrine didn't really work as well as it should have. About two minutes later, another a nurse walks into the room. I guess the nurse from the other side of the school came over because it was an emergency and uh, immediately notices that on the nurse's desk was the used EpiPen. But it wasn't actually the EpiPen. It was the practice one in the, in the back. It's called the trainer that contains no medicine. So the nurse didn't call 911, didn't give my son Benadryl, and didn't actually give him epinephrine. When he finally got taken to the emergency room, he was on an IV epinephrine drip and Benadryl for the next four hours and barely made it out alive. That's stressful story. day, to say the least. Yeah, that story, like, it's just so crazy. Like, doesn't even sound real, really. So, like, how did you even, how did you regain your trust for, like, the school after that point? Well, we called, we called a meeting with the superintendent for some, you know, a, a reprimand for the nurse because, you know, we were told that nothing was being done. Mm-hmm. So a few days later, we met with the, the nurse's supervisor and the superintendent. And the, the, the entirety of the conversation was, oh, and the, and the school's lawyer also showed up because, you know, that, that seems like the safe thing to do is bring your lawyer to meet the parents. Um, the woman was suspended for two days, paid. And we couldn't sue because there was no permanent damage. You can only technically, it turns out I learned a lot about um, court law that day. You can only sue if for medical negligence if someone has permanent damage or if they die. And because he was able to be treated in the emergency room and come home, neither of those applied. Um, we were really just trying to push to have new protocols put in place and better training for the nurses. From what I've seen, they've done a little bit better because my son was in that district for the next three years. Fortunately, he didn't have that nurse beyond that point, um, but the nurses were much more proactive. Now, whether they were more proactive because it was us and they knew that we you know, were involved or they just you know, actually did get some more training and, and did take things more seriously, we'll never know. But fortunately, we never had another incident at the school. Gotcha. So that was interesting what you just said, though, about like the home. Um... like not being able to sue if there's not permanent damage. So does that mean like if you, let's just say like break your arm, like are you not allowed to sue someone for that? Because it's not I think like a a trip and fall, like if there's negligence, like if, for example, the school doesn't put salt down on a snow day and makes everybody come in and you slip and fall on some ice, there's probably repercussions there. But if they take all of the steps that are deemed necessary, like if they've salted the roads and and plowed the streets and then you slip and fall, I I think at that point, there's not much you can do. Okay. Not an expert, but you know, that's my understanding. No, yeah, that makes, that makes sense though. So this year for you, at least so far, and I mean, I've only been in school for half the year so far, but it seems like it's been pretty hectic. Just, uh, just this past, uh, do you want to just talk about, I mean, you almost uh, passed out of school right after getting the second vaccine. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a, a big, like, early adapter to the vaccines. My wife works in healthcare. She was able to get it the first day it was offered in New Jersey. Um, for better or worse, I'm a chubby guy. So I was able to go in and get it as soon as they opened it up to people with health risks under the obesity clause. Um, so as soon as it was opened up to the public over age 60 or with people underage, I ran out and got my first shot. I do not like shots. Um, I, I, I 
tend to pass out. I'm a big, I'm a big softy when it comes to that stuff. Um, so like not, not a fan. I wasn't like, woo, I'm going to go get a shot today. That's going to be super exciting, but uh, just anything to get closer to the world being back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, my younger son also has with the allergies also has some under underlying health issues. Um, so we, you know, we've kept him out of school, but I, I feel bad. My wife and I were both working full time. So, you know, we were around hundreds of people a day. We want, we didn't want to have to worry about bringing something home. to him. Gotcha. Though did not go well. Um, I woke up knowing full well that I, I should have taken the day off. I had actually planned to take the day off, but showed up last minute because I woke up feeling okay. Made it about two hours into the day. Um, walked on the hallway to use the restroom between classes. And while walking down the hallway, everything started to move a little bit, which was a little disconcerting. Mm. Made it back to my classroom, sat down, had some orange juice and asked, asked to get a substitute for the rest of the day. I went home, slept 14 hours, woke up not dead. So everything worked out. <laughs> Just a little unnerving for a couple hours. Gotcha. So even, uh, I know you said that your wife works in healthcare, but like even recently you've had to, uh, I know you've missed some of our days, just like being, she's been in the hospital, right? Like just being with her there and yep. so what is, uh, so okay. She, she's going to be okay. Um, early in the, um, the lockdown last year, last spring, she was actually diagnosed with breast cancer and while she was, while she was home, you know, on her, on her layoff because her work was mostly shut down. They were just doing like a skeleton crew at her, at her employer. Um, she ended up getting treated and had surgery and, and radiation therapy in the process. Um, they did some, some genetic testing and found out she had some other issues going on. Um, nothing immediate. So, you know, this year she was, she was able to schedule it and the, the world's aligned that she took some more time off this spring to have some more procedures done. It was stressful. It's, it's been, you know, it's been tough on, on her more than anyone. Um, yeah. but she's, she's pretty strong. She tries to keep a, a brave face on so that the kids and I don't worry too much. Mm. But, you know, she's, she's back to, back to work, back to normal, seemingly you know, on the road to recovery. Yeah, well, that's, that's honestly just what you want to hear. But that's why I wanted to talk to you about, like, this stuff. Because I feel like even just in the small, like, amount of time that I've been in your class this year, it's just, like, you always seem to have, like, a positive attitude in the classroom. And you have a lot of stuff going on. So just the fact that you're kind of, to all of us at least, like, you're just, like, a big, funny guy. You know what I mean? Like, you just you make jokes and we just have – we have a good time in your class, even, like, yeah. while learning. Yeah, you, ha you have to. Um yeah, the like I, we're dealing with some stuff in my house. Like my wife had a procedure. It was nothing life threatening. It was nothing that, you know, she wasn't going to be fine and heal 100 percent from. But there's stress. Um, but and that's that's in my life. Who knows what you guys are dealing with at home? You know, you have yep. People with broken homes, people with siblings that are sick, losing parents, losing grandparents. Everybody's got stress in their life. And, and to think that you own all of the stress or that everybody should just give you a pity party is kind of a, a ridiculous concept that too many people seem to abide by. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you just, again, back to where we started this thing 10 or 15 minutes ago, you just have to look at the positives. You know, I, I had a job. I came to class, you know, 
don't let this go to your head, but some phenomenal kids who really wanted to be there and, you know, <laughs> made it fun to go to work every day. Yeah. That, that makes a big difference. Um, the last year has been stressful. Half the classes being remote or virtual, you know, I mean, you, you did it for a while. Yeah. You sit in the classroom, a teacher's face is two inches on the screen. You may or may not ever turn your camera on or even be awake during class time. It's hard to make connections. So when I had the opportunity to see people in class and to talk and to, you know, to, to do that, I, I tried to take advantage of it. Um, my job is to not make your life more miserable. My job is to help you, you know, enjoy learning. Um, mm -hmm. Second, even I think to like the curriculum that I'm supposed to teach, I'm supposed to make you appreciate, you know, what's out there and wanting to learn and wanting to gain more knowledge. And I think, you know, that's lost on a lot of teachers and a lot of students. Well, and I think that's a great point because like the first half of this year, I was on the Apex program. So I, uh, all four of my classes were just kind of do these at your own pace. Right. And um, I've still had to finish out psychology like that this year, but going back to school and just having six normal classes. And even when I first came back to school, it was a little bit weird with um, not everybody being back. So right. I came back in like February and then everybody came back. I think it was April. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. And just once everybody's came back, like this last, I don't know, I guess two months, I've just felt like actual school. And that right. was like a big, uh, big upgrade from where, you know, I was in the beginning of the year. And I, I was able to do the classes on my own in the beginning of the year. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't anything like how I wanted to. And I, and everyone was like, oh, you know, it's a good way to get prepared for college because obviously I'm a senior. So everyone's like, right. you know, saying stuff like that. But it was more, even with my younger, uh, my younger brothers too, because I have two younger brothers, just like watching them start out this year full remote. And then eventually like my one younger brother, he was begging to go back. So my mom wanted to go back like the second month because he just couldn't. It's hard for people, you know, my age to just sit there and be able to focus. But right. these kids are in elementary school and my other brother's in middle school. But like imagine starting out like in kindergarten, like right now, like that has to be. No, it, it's heartbreaking. I like my kid. My kids are older. They're they're both high school students, and you know they've been full remote. They start actually. They started the year hybrid, and then their school shut down when things got bad in end of November. I want to say, and we decided at that point just to keep them full remote because you know, right after there was also talkings of their school going back full in person um, in January, which I think they did January February. They seemed to do it sooner than than Jackson did um, mm -hmm. and they weren't happy about it they, they missed out on that social aspect they missed seeing their friends humans are social animals I mean just parking in front of a computer screen like we're having a conversation now I'd much rather be having a conversation face to face with you mm -hmm. oh, yeah, for sure. the interactions different the inflections different and just seeing someone's expressions changes the mm -hmm. tone of a conversation 100% and we've um, lost all of that with computers and, and face masks. Yeah, I mean, I think by, well, I don't know about if like face masks will be required in school next year. I mean, I would assume though, but not, you know, nothing's really confirmed for next year. And there's still a lot of questions. Yeah, marks, they but... probably won't found out until the week before school starts. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I was talking to Miss Pirelli and she said, uh, I heard that you also, obviously I wasn't in the school during this time. Um, I think you had my aunt during this time, though, but I, she never really brought it up. But Hurricane Sandy, I heard, was not the best uh, time for you. <laughs> Hurricane Sandy was that was an interesting year for me. Um, who is your aunt, by the way? 
uh, Katie Johnson was her name at the time of being in the school. But actually, wait, what year was Hurricane Sandy? Because I might just be lying right now. That was 2012. Okay, so then never mind. She graduated in 2011. Oh, so she was right before that then. My yeah. cousins were in the school, though. I don't know if you know Ryan Ayers. Don't know if he had you or not, but that sounds familiar. But I mean, again, a hundred kids a year for twenty-two years now. A lot of names start to sound familiar. I feel bad that I don't remember more siblings and family members, but it all becomes a blur after after that many faces and names. I don't Um, remember half the kids' names that I meet right now and talk to. So, and this, I, I feel really bad. Like the kids this year who I. I saw a girl walking down the hallway in school the other day and she said, hello. I think it was a student that I had remote last semester, but I don't even know because she was 27 pixels on my computer screen. Yep. I don't, it, it, hard to tell. You don't know how tall people are. You don't know how short people are. You don't know how they dress. It's mm-hmm. uh, all the normal identifiers are, are out the window. Yep. Um, all right. So yeah, Sandy, Sandy was, uh, was a less than fun year for sure. So Started at the school year, I was teaching honors physics and AP physics. AP environmental was not a class in the building yet at that point. So, you know, not not that someone else was teaching. We just didn't offer it yet. Mm-hmm. And it was going really well. I had a great group of students. I'd probably, you know, full houses in honors physics. Mr. Searing and I were sharing those. Um, 25, 30 kids, though, like people lined up to get into that class. 25 kids in AP physics. Everyone was going to school for... You know, some sort of tech, either or the you know, biomed or mechanical engineering or comp sci. Yep. It was a really great group of students. Um, October 29th, I think, was Sandy. Um, I, I, I live down by LBI in a waterfront community, and we, we sort of prepared for it because I was watching. I'm, a, I'm a, a weather nerd. I'm not a meteorologist by any means. But I enjoy watching the models and watching the maps and sort of making my my best guesses as to where things are going to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, about a week out, things started to look a little dicey. So I was more proactive than most in you know getting getting things ready in the backyard, cleaning up the house, making sure our papers were not on the first floor just in case things got bad. Because my development had flooded one time back in the early '90s during I think it was called like the Halloween Superstorm. But no water even made it into one house. And we weren't really concerned. And they weren't really talking about the the inundation levels yet with Sandy a few days before. They were just saying it might sort of wiggle this way. Mm-hmm. I tried to get all the stuff ready as much as I could. Um, October 29th hits. And, you know, it, it's windy. And it's getting ominous because things are bearing down right on you. And there's no turning back now. The, the hurricane ended up, or the, the not hurricane, the, the former hurricane post-tropical storm, whatever they called it, ended up making landfall about seven miles from my house, where the eye was where the eye came inland. Um, oh, it was windy. It was a scary night. My my two young so at that point my young sons were were there. My wife was with us. Our dog was there, and we didn't realize how bad it was until we were sitting down in the living room about eleven o'clock at night because there was no sleeping that night with the wind and the the stress. Mm-hmm. And our wood floor started to move. And we thought we were both just delirious and tired and exhausted at that point until the water started coming up out of our baseboard molding. The, the water was underneath our house and actually started floating the wood flooring off of the ground. So our wood floor was floating around the house. 
a pumpkin that we brought in off the front porch started floating through the kitchen. Um, one of my Crocs was floating in the living room, which was actually kind of funny. I have a picture of that. Um, it got bad. We ended up having two feet of water in the house. Everything was a total loss. All the all the electricity was shot. The whole house had to be rewired. Every appliance was lost. Um, two cars were totaled in the driveway. It was a uh, it was it was a harrowing night. I, I was kind of stupid. My wife I had a boat that was in the yard because I had it out to do some work on it. And the water came up so high that it floated off of the trailer that was in the yard. Wow. So at midnight or one in the morning, I, I went outside to go save my boat. It's not really the smartest thing to do because while out doing that, um, a part of a shed blew off the roof of my neighbor's shed, blew off and almost decapitated me. It went flying over my head like a Frisbee. You're talking like a sheet of plywood um, and a telephone pole that went down, down the street, floated into me. <laughs> I was going slowly, but a telephone yeah. pole is still a large thing to bump into you. So yeah, it, was, yeah, uh, sure. it was interesting. Woke up the next morning to assess that it went upstairs, took a cold shower because there was no electricity for the hot water heater. Um, got into bed, put put my head down and, and tried to fall asleep. In the morning, the water had receded and we started doing demolition. Um, ripped out walls, ripped out ceilings, took all the appliances out, put them in the backyard because they had to be photographed for insurance purposes walked the four blocks over to my parents' house because we lived in the same neighborhood, did the same thing at their house because you had to rip all that stuff out so mold didn't start to grow immediately. You had to start mm -hmm. pouring bleach on all the wood because, you know, wood and wet don't do so well. Yeah. Um, it was it was a lot of stress. Kids were too young to, to help. Um, they did what they could. They helped with little stuff, but you know, they were they were more – you know, just go play your video games while the batteries are alive and try not to see the crazy going on in the world around you. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up going out with a bunch of friends. To, well, we had a few interesting things going on. We had to, we had to defend the neighborhood because a lot of loot is where I am is a lot of, uh, a lot of summer people. It's a, it's a tourist trap and a lot of looters came into these now empty houses and, and were taking advantage of the fact that, you know, electric doors were broken, video surveillance systems were down because there was no power. So we kind of, a few friends of mine and I closed our street down. We would stand at the corners and just, if it wasn't a car that we recognized, we waved them past and we didn't let them come on the street. I had a gun pulled on me by a gentleman on a flatbed who was trying to steal, scrap all of the appliances he could get his hands on. Um, so that was a, that was a fun day. Oh, uh, let's see. So you were just trying to like, just trying to look out for look out for the people who weren't there. Like I didn't have a place to escape to, you know, my, my wife's family lived a few miles up the road, but they had a teeny tiny little house um, mm -hmm. that already was overflowing with people and, and pets. My parents' house four blocks away, they lost, you know, they lost their house just like I did. My sister actually was living on LBI at the time and her house was annihilated. Like it, it actually came down during the storm. So they actually lived with us for, five or six months until they could find a new place to live. It was, uh, it was fun. Let's see in the months, in the month or two after that, my father got an infection trying to clean up from the storm, spent two or three months in the hospital fighting the infection until he finally lost his battle and passed away. Um, and because I wasn't a good teacher that year and didn't turn in all of my lesson plans, I was told I wasn't going to be teaching honors and AP classes the following year. Really? Yes. 
uh, apparently I, I let life come in the way of my my teaching in my school. Hmm. Now, granted, I was a little stressed and a little I was a little more say, worried about life the, at home. Like, I, I completely understand that I did not turn in my lesson plans and do all the work that I was supposed to, but you know, you'd think that that would be ignored a little bit. You would. Um, so what? What year did you get back into honors and AP? Like just the following. It year? it took a few years. So now, actually, Mister Mister Searing ended up taking the AP Physics program that year, and he's a great teacher. I'm not I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but uh, he ended up taking over AP and honors physics for a couple of years. Um, I ended up teaching freshmen and whatever classes there you know they needed being taught. And I think it was actually two years later when they they started the AP Environmental. Two or three years later, and they started AP Environmental up. They asked me if I wanted to do it because they knew I was, you know, at least environmentally conscious and aware of the world. Not that I was, you know, went to school for it, mm-hmm. but that I, you know, I, I tried to be a forward thinking environmental person. And then after that, you know, the classes started to build. And I, had bright, I had good kids in class again. And uh, AP physics came a few years ago when the STEM curriculum was rewritten. I started teaching STEM AP physics, and it just turned into AP physics when the STEM academy changed. So, what makes? Because I'm pretty sure didn't Mr. Shearing teach AP physics last year? So, like, what? How does he like decide who does it each year? It's the supervisors and guidance based on who what they need at the time. So. Mm-hmm. Mr. Searing and I both actually taught AP physics last year. He had a section of um, students who are not part of the STEM Academy. And I had the STEM Academy kids taking AP physics and our numbers were, were marginal. Like I had 12 or 13 kids in the STEM class and he had nine or 10 kids in the, the regular track, the non-STEM class. And it's mm-hmm. tough to, to justify in public school having classes that small when other classes are 30, 32 kids. So they decided this year to just split us up. Um, he ended up taking over AP chemistry because he's taught way more chemistry than I have. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with AP physics. So everybody I think is happy in the end, but it, it's just, it, who knows? I don't know what I'll be teaching next year. I, I don't know until you know, the middle of the summer, usually. Gotcha. Well, in my, uh, we had to make like a script to this interview and, uh, in my scripts, I actually, I mean, you kind of, when we were talking about before, like, the purpose of this being, like, you know, trying to get over things, you kind of said, like, exactly what I said in my script, like, uh, I said, Mr. Warner treats everybody like, uh, he doesn't know what they have going on at home, mm-hmm. and listens to his students and cares about what they have to say, so that's basically what you, uh, what you described in this, um, hope, do you have any comments or questions for me? Um, just, uh, you're a perceptive kid. I mean, the, the reason I share my stories in class is that people then feel open to share their own. Like, I, I know a lot of your teachers probably don't tell you about their, their wife's cancer or their kids going to the hospital because you know, they, they try to keep their private lives private and their school lives school. But yeah. realistically, you, you can't. I mean, you, you, it's, some people can do it. I don't, I don't understand the people who can like, uh, compartmentalize their lives and turn off one job from another or one aspect of their life from another. But I, I feel I've, I've wholly embraced it. And if I have problems that are going on that aren't too ridiculously personal or, or aren't going to hurt someone else that if I talk about them, 
I'm going to, I'm going to talk about them in the hopes that that helps other people realize that it's okay to talk about what's going on in your life. And, you know, somebody, somebody will be there to listen, even if they're not really wanting to listen, there's always going to be someone to listen. Mm -hmm. It's, I think just for mental well-being, you have to, you have to get things off your chest once in a while and you have to share. For sure. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I uh, appreciate you taking your time out of your day to do this. Thank Uh, you for choosing me. (laughs) No problem. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Done Deal podcast. If you enjoyed this interview with my teacher and thinks it provides new insight on a teacher-student relationship, please consider subscribing and liking the podcast. It means a lot.